Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Christ in Us and Sadlier's bilingual program, Cristo in Nosotros. All children are introduced to seven strands of spirituality by some of the giants in the Catholic mystical tradition. Start your journey now at sadlierreligion.com forward slash CIU. Today, I'm very pleased to have Bishop Larry Silva with us from the Diocese of Honolulu. He's going to be talking to us about evangelization, about going out and ministering in a time of pandemic, the challenges he's faced, and the ways that the diocese is overcoming it or, or meeting and overcoming them. So, Bishop, thank you for being, I think you're our first bishop on this show, so thank you for being numero uno. Thank you. Aloha to you, and it's good to be with you. Yeah, yes. wonderful. And uh, I just want to say for background context, uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know Bishop Larry, and we were connected through a wonderful friend of ours, Father Philip Garnier, who's going to be a future guest on Chattachesis. So thank you, Father Philip. A little shout out to you. But uh, Bishop Larry, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it's like to be the Bishop of Honolulu? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me on this uh, podcast. Uh, I uh, was born in Honolulu, 1949, and uh, my uh, family has been in Hawaii for 150 years. Uh, but when I was a year old, my parents moved to California. So I grew up in the Bay Area of California, was a priest of the Diocese of Oakland for 30 years, uh, mostly in inner city parishes in Oakland, which I enjoyed very much. Were you an A's uh, fan, Bishop? Uh, yes, I was an A's fan. I was a Raiders fan until they left town. Uh, uh, traitors. Yeah, <laughs> traitors, yes. But uh, um, anyway, and then in uh, 2005, uh, the Diocese of Honolulu needed a bishop, and uh, I... Uh, guess they knew I was from here and uh, some folks had sent my name in, I presume. So here I am. And I'm very happy to be uh, the Bishop of Honolulu, which includes all of the Hawaiian islands. So we have uh, uh, six islands with parishes on them. I'm actually in the island of Kauai right now because uh, on Friday I'm going to ordain uh, the last two of our 13 permanent deacons for this uh, year. Wow, wonderful. I'm yes. sure they're all wonderful guys. Wonderful guys, yes. They're great. <laughs> yes. Great. Well, thank you for being on the program. And what we've been talking about with our guests recently is how are we continuing to, to make strides in the work of evangelization? COVID has really challenged every parish, every diocese. It's been certainly a, a difficult time for a lot of people. It's been an incredibly sad time, a time of great grief for those who've lost loved ones to this terrible uh, pandemic. On the other side of things, it's also been a time for reflection and a time for considering what's essential and, and what's the most important, um, uh, what's the core mission of the church and how can we reorganize ourselves to better uh, sort of evangelize and go out to others. So. I'd like to just start off by saying, uh, or asking you, Bishop, um, I noticed on your website that you have a task force, the, dios the uh, evangelization task force. Could we start this conversation by just saying a little bit about what that is, how that got started? Uh, I'd appreciate that. Sure. Uh, 
Yeah, when I became bishop, I chose as my Episcopal motto, witness to Jesus, uh, because I think we have a lot going on in our church. We have, uh, you know, many programs, many institutions uh, that reach out to many people and do wonderful work. Uh, but we sometimes forget that it's all about Jesus mm. and his death and resurrection and the saving power of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to, to make sure that we focus on our mission to witness to Jesus, because that's the, the essence of who we are as a church. Uh, now, that being said, you know, we, we Catholics are not very good about evangelization, I don't think. Um, I agree with you. I'd love to know why you think that's the case. Well, well I think we, we, uh, we're so busy taking care of those who come to us that we maybe forget about the mission of those who don't come to us. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, we're very busy with our Catholic schools and our religious education programs and our rite of Christian initiation of adults and our outreach to the poor and so many things, um, which are, are great. That's wonderful. And that is an evangelization in uh, a way because, uh, you know, we all need to be reminded of Jesus. We, uh, you know, that's a relationship that needs to be built up every day. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand, uh, we can get very self-satisfied and, and think that, that, you know, the people who come to us are all that we need to worry about. Um, in fact, of course, fewer and fewer people are coming to us. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, this is a problem and this uh, uh, kind of exacerbates the, the issue. And of course, with the pandemic now, uh, fewer and fewer people, even of those who normally have come to us, are coming to us, and, and you know we need to to think about how to uh, re-engage many of those people. And so uh, I wanted to put together a task force mm -hmm. of people who I felt do evangelization, and there are many people who do that. Um, who do it and are, and are somewhat successful at it in various ways uh, to put together uh, some kind of a, a, a very concrete program that would train people in the pews or mo motivate and train people in the pews mm -hmm. to be evangelizers, mm -hmm. uh, to not only be, uh, you know, those who receive the good news of Jesus and are inspired by that good news, but who go out and share that good news with others. Bishop, and so, yes. Did you have a vision of, just to, if I want to, I just want to back up real quick. You mentioned people who you believe have had some success or are successful in some ways in evangelization. What do you look for? in a, we'll put quotes around it, in a good evangelizer. What do you look for? Is there a characteristic or a trait or something? What are you looking for? I'm looking for people who uh, witness to Jesus, you know, who are, uh, who get the basic core of our message. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, there, there are lots of ministries and lots of people involved in our churches and they're great people, wonderful people. 
but they're not always necessarily articulate about mm. the reason for our hope and the reason for our joy, uh, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus and his continuing presence with us. So the people that I uh, asked to be on this task force uh, are uh, people that I, I feel in various ways uh, through the charismatic renewal, for example, or through uh, uh, basic Christian community groups or Curcio, um, or through uh, the St. Paul Street evangelization, really focus on the core of the message. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that this is not just about bringing people into the, into the church and getting them involved in, in ministries. It's about converting people with the knowledge that Jesus is here, present, and loves them. And I would imagine it's about building up relationships with people um, based on trust, respect, and love that, you know, like you said, people that are articulate in the, in the hope that's in them, but also demonstrate that hope. And right? so in other words, their, their expression on their face matches what's in the heart, right? <laughs> or as exactly. my little kids would say, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. But um, the people that can really build relationships with others in a mentoring kind of way, that takes a really um, special person, I think. It does. And in fact, um, the, the person I asked to head this task force, Dominic Olasso, uh, I think he's, he's someone who's very much alive in the Lord and, and loves the Lord very much and is very articulate about his love of Jesus. Uh, and when we were talking about who would be on the task force, uh, that was one of his uh, priorities too. He said, I want people who are joyful mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, we, we need to share the joy of the gospel as, uh, you know, Pope Francis has said many times mm -hmm. uh, that it's, uh, it's a joyful thing. Now, you know, joy is not just, you know, party, party. There's, you know, we have our, our, uh, our, down moments and we have our trials and we have our our difficulties but even in the midst of those we can still have joy if we know jesus mm. and if we have our faith in jesus is, is strong so um you know dominic and i really felt that that was very important to have people who are filled with joy to be on this task force now, how did you get to know dominic was he working at the diocese or uh, well, he is a teacher at one of our Catholic schools, mm -hmm. uh, but more than that, uh, he is has been uh, uh, the uh, liaison with the Hawaii Catholic uh, uh, Charismatic Renewal. Okay, and so I've worked with him quite a bit in in that movement, and so uh, that's really how I got to know him. That, the renewal speaks to me. I, I did my master's studies at Franciscan University in Steubenville, a very charismatic place. Um, it's it kind of ebbs and flows the the energy around the renewal and the people. How many people are involved uh, as you go from diocese to diocese? Is is the charismatic movement really taking hold in Hawaii, or at least where you are, or is it just beginning to grow, or is it in the twilight? Where would you say it's at? Well, I, I think the movement itself and the number of people involved in the charismatic movement as such 
is relatively small, mm-hmm. but I think they're the fruits of their work has has multiplied, mm. uh, and that's really what's important. And so, you know, people ne- wouldn't necessarily say, well, I belong to the charismatic renewal, but they are charismatic in the sense that they, they are on fire with love of the Lord mm-hmm. in whatever they do. And so... Uh, That's uh, a great point. Yeah. That's so, a great point about the fruits exceeding the, the, nomen- the, the brand, you know, charismatic yeah. renewal. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's not uh, a question of, you know, getting more people into the charismatic renewal. I mean, if they if there are more people in that, great. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's getting more people to love Jesus and know that they're loved by Jesus. So, uh, so you got this group started, this task force, and mm-hmm. it's, is it was it in 2019? Am I, am I correct there that you started yeah, that? Okay. That's right. Just, and yeah. what, ha- what kinds of things are they doing? And have you seen some success? Well, uh, they have given a couple of retreats, and uh, those have been good and, and very well accepted and appreciated. Of course, with a retreat, you're working with a small group, but then that's how Jesus did it too, right? With his <laughs> right. 12, and uh, you, you go out from there. Um, they are now working on some videos, uh, like two-minute videos that can be... Uh, uh, shown at the end of mass, um, you know. Uh, uh, of course, we Catholics can't. Uh, uh, you know, we, we don't usually demand too much of our people. You know, you can't keep them too long right. uh, in church. So right. you know, we we said you know it has to be like a minute or two, something very succinct. Right. Uh, and uh, but then I think those kinds of videos. I mean, there's there's as you know, tons of uh, uh, resources on the internet that people can go to. And I think those videos can uh, whet somebody's appetite mm-hmm. for getting into something uh, more profound, uh, uh, such as this uh, podcast that you you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I believe it's spirit-led. Um, have the, has, the, has the task force been meeting online then for the retreats, or have they been in person? Um. Well, they they were in person uh, for a couple of times before the pandemic, and then they've done some online uh, meetings as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Now, of course, the priests are going to be very important in this because you know they, they have to to come along with that. And I think we have very good priests. We're we're blessed with wonderful priests here. Um, but I have told the priests several times. Um, we need to start thinking of our parishes like seminaries Mm. because we all went to the seminary and we learned a great deal and we had, you know, good formation and hopefully we enjoyed our days in the seminary, but nobody wants to stay in the seminary. Uh, I have not yet met one priest who said, I just want to be a seminarian forever. Right, right. They might want to teach in the seminary, but they don't want to be a seminarian forever. Right. Because you want to get out and Mm -hmm. minister. You want to to put it into practice. Uh, And I think we need to think of our parishes that way. 
They're not places there where we come to and live our whole lives uh, in the parish and, and live and die there, and that's it. Uh, there are places uh, where we should come to be enlivened with the sacraments, to be formed by the word, and then to be sent out to uh, uh, preach that word. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I emphasize with these deacon ordinations, for example, that, you know, the, the very simple thing the deacon does is do the dismissal at the end of Mass. Mm -hmm. and, and though that may seem so simple and insignificant, it is very significant because mm -hmm. uh, we are sent out uh, not to leave, but to leave with what we have taken, what we, what we have been given, uh, the encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist. So, um, so I've really encouraged in, in a number of occasions the priests to, uh, to think of their parishes not as ends in themselves, where people are very comfortable there, but as seminaries where they're, they're formed and uh, enlightened, but they're not comfortable mm. that they want to stay there forever that they want to go to their places of work, to their families, to their community, to the body politic, and take the gospel and let the word become flesh mm -hmm. in those uh, situations. So. so do you think, going back to something you said at the very beginning, you'd mentioned um, we're not very good evangelizers. Um, and, and you, I'll tie that to, to another comment you made about we, we sometimes forget what this pursuit is all about, which is witnessing to Jesus, uh, receiving him and sharing him. Yeah. Uh, do you think that, you know, a, a primary obstacle is, and just to put it bluntly, we're just creatures of habit. So our experience of parish or church, as it was when we were young, we just expect it to sort of be the same. Uh, and, and we expect our a contribution to not change too much, uh, you know, do you think it's really as simple as that is, I'm not saying it's the whole issue, but do you think part of it is we're just kind of creatures of habit? I def definitely think that's, that's a great part of it. Yes. I think we, uh, um, you know, we, we're in a cultural shift, of course, you know, where uh, uh, we, we lived in a Christian culture uh, where these, uh, you know, the values of our our faith uh, were just taken for granted, but we no longer live in that culture, and we need to make that adjustment. We need to uh, uh, get out of our comfort zones and realize that, uh, um, you know, we have to start over. Uh, I we are in Hawaii, of course. We're blessed with two saints, mm -hmm. uh, Saint Damien, uh, who uh, was mostly known for his work in the leprosy settlement of Molokai and St. Marianne Cope, who also worked with the uh, people with leprosy in, uh, in Honolulu and in Molokai. But, you know, Damien didn't come over to work with leprosy patients. He came over to be a missionary, uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, and uh, at that point, it was... Uh, you know, the Catholic Church was somewhat established, but not very well. It, it had come here in 1827. It was actually uh, uh, persecuted and, and outlawed for 10 years from uh, 
29 to 39, 1829 to 39. And uh, then Damien came in uh, 1864. But, uh, you know, he came as a missionary. And, you know, I think it, it's helpful for us to, to reflect upon what did those early missionaries do when they came to this Hawaiian culture, which was... Um, Richly religious in its own way, um, but preaching the gospel of Jesus uh, to this culture. Uh, you know, what, what methodologies did they use? How did they do that? And I think it's good for us to reflect upon how they did that, because that's really what we need to do. Uh, this is no longer a, 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 a culture that we can presume is a Christian culture. And so how do we uh, respect people and love people and yet preach the gospel to them? So I think uh, Father Damien and St. Marianne in, in their own ways are, uh, are real examples of us to, uh, uh, of how to do that. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what you just said in, in using those two beautiful saints to really exemplify it, but they, they, knew what the gospel was, and they also knew what the needs were around them, and they were able to take the gospel, as it were, and translate it to meet the needs. So if it means I need to serve lepers, that's what it, that's what it, that's how that gospel message translates. Uh, and then the question I think you're raising, which is just right on the nose, is have we kind of reified the gospel message and reified our experience of church? So it's this thing that we do and it's, and never changes versus that what you're talking about, which is, are we fluid and dynamic enough to see how the gospel message can meet needs today and knowing what those needs are and doing it creatively. So what we're doing today then is to, to see what those needs are and they're always changing and trying to apply the gospel message in very proactive missionary ways by getting out, getting out of our comfort zones, getting out of our churches and now trying to do it, you know, safely, uh, but doing it in a way that's meaningful for people. And I think part of that is not presuming that they're going to come back after this pandemic is over, God willing, or that they're the same old way of, of, you know, evangelizing is, is going to keep working tomorrow. So we got to always kind of be on our toes. So I appreciate your message there and, and the examples of the saints that you gave. For a couple of final remarks, uh, Bishop, is there any story that comes to mind of, of evangelization? You did mention Saint, uh, the saints. Um, anything contemporary that you're, that, that well, really just struck you? or? Yes, I, I would like to... Uh talk about one of our schools, because I think our schools, our Catholic schools are a great uh, infrastructure for evangelization. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes they only remain the infrastructure mm. and evangelization doesn't happen. But there is one school that decided, no, we're going to be evangelizers and uh, we are going to be very deliberate about it. We're going to work not only with the children, uh, many of whom are not Catholics, but we are going to tell them about Jesus and our love for Jesus in the Catholic Church and what that means in the terms of the sacraments. And we are going to tell their parents as well. Uh, and uh, so uh, a year or two after they started this, uh, they invited me to uh, 
to baptize and confirm about uh, 20 of the children in the school. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were working with uh, at least as many of their parents uh, to, uh, to bring them into the Catholic faith. Wow. So, um, you know, I think that's when you put your mind to it, when you, you uh, are deliberate about it, you know, I, I think our, our schools, of course, have so many demands upon them with curriculum and, uh, you know, fundraising and, and all of the, those kinds of things uh, that you can sometimes forget that really these schools are not just about education. They can go to the public schools for education. They're about witnessing to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when you put your mind to that, you can give a great education, a, a, a wonderful, very high quality education, but with that faith, that spark of faith and, uh, and love that you want to share with others. So I think that was uh, uh, very inspirational for me to see uh, this school that really took up that challenge and, uh, and was very successful at it. And I'm sure it was incredibly inspirational for those students and parents of that school and teachers. And it's really galvanizes us and um, around our identity. And, and if I think, you know, if we double down on our Catholic identity, then those uh, contributions come, don't they? <laughs> we, we hope so. Yeah. That particular school is struggling along St. Michael and Wailua. So we'll, we'll pray for them for sure. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that story and, and uh, highlighting our Catholic schools have done a tremendous job of just staying open and doing it the right way during this difficult time of pandemic too. I really being a light uh, for a number of public schools in the country too. So yes. very, very, very proud, proud moment. So Bishop, we're at the end of our time together. Uh, what we typically do is ask the guests to offer a blessing to our listeners. So would you be so kind as to do that? I will do that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Which if you didn't know, that's in Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> First time I've ever had a blessing in Hawaiian. I appreciate Aloha. that. Thank you. Well, Bishop, thank you again for your time. This has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. We will chat with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Christo and Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.